Hello, friends, and welcome to the Word for Life podcast. Again, as always, I am so excited and delighted that you have chosen to join us on the Word for Life podcast. Listen, I am having so much fun with this podcast, and I'm believing by faith that you are having fun as well. Listen, I've recently been in a series entitled Dig Through It. It's the importance of many of the things in our life that are buried and swept underneath the rug. Literally, those things are draining the life out of us. Have you ever found yourself in a place in your life where you are trying to be happy and you are trying to celebrate your achievements and you are trying to lift up God and you are trying to praise him and you're trying to keep a smile on your face? But in the back of your mind, you know you have so much clutter and so many things that are seemingly robbing you of your joy, your peace, and everything that God has for you. Friends, that's a sign that you need to dig through it. I don't know what your dig is. I don't know what's at the bottom of it. I don't know what tools you need to use. All I know is that if you want to have true victory and peace in your life, you need to dig. I'm so excited to introduce and present today my wife she did such an amazing job yesterday during our worship experience and i had to come on and share this with you guys on the podcast it is such a massive and mighty word that i believe the entire world needs this word for their life the premise of it is this you don't have to live like this And I want to encourage somebody, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, wherever you're driving to, I want you to understand that the way your life is right now, you do not have to live like this. Uh, I want to go into this word right now from Lady Marina Scott. It is such a powerful and impactful word from the Lord. She preached the message entitled, Dig With The I Am. Dig with the I am. Listen, I've said enough. I got to get you into this word. It's so powerful. And I'll be back with you guys soon. Let's hear this word from Lady Scott. Dig with the I am. Title is Dig with I am. Because when I started digging, I was like, okay, so where do I even, where do I even start? Where do I even, you know, and God gave this to me. He said, dig with I am. So if you would join me in uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 7 through 14, it reads as follows. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmakers, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, that my is capitalized, he makes it personal, my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, 
Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said in verse 12, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13, then God says to Moses, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Verse 14, and God says to Moses, I am who I am. Am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. You may be seated. You like that? All right. Thank you, God. We're in this series again that Pastor has placed us in, and we're being guided through the dig again, and what it means to dig. And while not all of us have the desire to. Many of us do have the desire to dig. We don't just want to stay in the same place. We want to be better, right? You want to be better. But our problem is often that we don't know where to begin. We want to do it, but we don't know where to begin. The idea of the start is daunting. It's intimidating. I liken it to cleaning up or doing your spring cleaning or doing some, you know, a heavy, heavy load of laundry. You ever had a big cleaning task of cleaning out a closet or cleaning out your attic or cleaning out your garage, and you look at it and you know it has to be done and you want to get it clean. You, you want it clean because you're tired of looking at all that stuff, right? I know my mama has been telling me, uh, you need to come get the rest of your stuff out of my garage. You don't live here no more. Come get the rest of your stuff. I'm just, I'm being translucent, y'all. She said, hey, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm a, I need this stuff out the garage. I'm going to dig through it, Mom, I promise you. I'm going to dig through it. But you know it has to be done, and you want to do it. And you know that once you get started, you're going to get in the vein of it. You're going to get in the flow of it. Because if you're like me, when I'm cleaning, don't bother me. Because if you stop me, and if I sit down, if I start checking my phone, I ain't going to finish. <laughs> but you know, once you get into the vein of it, the flow of it, it's going to get done, and you'll be fine once you get into the groove of it. But it just seems like so much to do. It seems like so much to do, and you just stand there looking at it like, do I start on this end of the house? Do I start in the bathroom? Do I, do I turn on Netflix? Like, what? Do, Lord, what, where do I start? You know, oftentimes we want to do the work, but before we even get started, we have to understand that we must gather up the necessary tools. Before you start doing laundry, what you do? You sort and separate your clothes. Now, I know some people in today's generation, they don't separate their clothes. They wash their darks with their whites and their lights, and that's just not of God, okay? I'm just going to tell you that right now. You know, don't have a dingy spirit because if you put that black shirt or them blue jeans in there with that white shirt, you, come on now. Let's kick it old school like grandma taught us. Put your whites with your whites, your lights with your whites, and your darks with your darks. Some of us even go as far as to saying all blacks with blacks. Like, we're not even going to play with it. But you sort your clothes, and then you go to the laundry room, the washroom, the laundromat, wherever it is that you do your laundry, and you pull out the detergent. You pull out the fabric softener. Before you start cleaning the kitchen, 
or doing the dishes, you pull out your Clorox, clean up your bleach, your whatever it is that you use, your detergent, you get your, your sponge or your wash rag, you turn on the water. Before you start cleaning that bathroom, black people, what we do? What we pray about it? Pray about it. That that is hilarious unto me. Let, let me tell you, before you start cleaning that bathroom, that's what I was looking for. I don't know if you like me, but most of us colored folks, why we got to season the tub, y'all? Why we season the tub like it's chicken? And then we let it sit for 15 minutes. It's got to sit. Listen, if it don't sit, it's not clean. And if you like me, I like my food well seasoned, so I'm going to season my tub that way. I spray the Clorox down. First, I rinse it out. Then I spray the Clorox down. Then I sprinkle the comment. I'll be back in about 15, 5, 15. It, it should have bubbled up by then. You know, if it's not bubbling up, it's not cleaning. We like a little razzle-dazzle, you know, in there when we clean it. And if you grew up in my household, it's not clean. I know I'm off on a tangent, but y'all, for real. It's not clean unless you start to lose all your senses while you're in there scrubbing. Your eyes got to burn. You got to start losing your sense of smell. That bleach is going to get you. You ain't going to get your sense of smell back for about another 35, 45 after you finish. And then you got to be able to smell the bleach three rooms over after you get done. If I don't smell bleach, it ain't clean. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy. Put your mask on. That's it right there. That N95, what is it? Put it on. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's probably going to come through the mask, too, in my house, you know. Fabuloso, all that ammonia. We mix all kinds of... Lord, thank you for not letting us die flat. Because we mix everything, Lord. We just want it to be... We just want to be clean. We just want to be clean, Jesus. <laughs> y'all crazy. Y'all need help. Something wrong with y'all. But the point that I'm trying to make is before we start our process, before we start our prep, we need to look for and gather the necessary materials to do our job, right? So my question is to you, and I, this is not a rhetorical, I want you to answer me back. What do you need to dig? When, when you start digging a physical hole, what do you need a physical hole? You want to make a hole in whatever it is. What do you need to dig? Shovel. What, what if it's nighttime? Flashlight. What if you're going to be there for a while? You, you know, we're going to get hungry. Some snacks, some water, gloves, all, all that good stuff. Yeah, because I, like, I don't like my hands to be all rough and tough. I, I know you don't, you don't want to touch that. Amen. Okay. What about the fact that you need to know where you're digging? You need to know where you're digging because please don't just randomly start digging in my backyard and you hit a pipe or you hit my cable line and now I ain't got no internet and I can't watch TV and AT&T Comcast say they're not going to be out here till next Thursday. Listen, okay, understand that when you get ready to start digging, and you're standing there and you're trying to dig through the recesses of your life. You're trying to dig to your why. Understand that you don't have to go and pick up a shovel. You don't have to go and get your water. You don't have to go and get this and that and the third. You have everything that you need. 
Like I said, before you get started digging, you have to know where. You have everything that you need. Jesus is your map to get started. And when you get ready to travel to some place that you've never been, what's the first thing that you do? Answer me. I, I, I'm a teacher, and y'all going to have to respond to me. GPS, Global Positioning System, okay? You're going to pull up the directions. We hit a Waze. I use Waze. Apple Maps, Google Maps, and really, I don't like Apple Maps. Apple Maps has a spirit, an unclean spirit. Like, it takes you all these different twists and turns that you ain't even got to go. You be like, Siri, loose here, Siri. You need deliverance because this, Siri, I could have been, Siri, I see the place right there. Why, why are you taking me around three different streets? That is not of God, Siri. Siri needs deliverance. Loose here, Siri. Okay, Siri, Siri needs to go back to the altar because she's not right. She ain't get it yet. She come back tomorrow night. Okay. But we, I told y'all, y'all crazy. Something wrong with y'all. When you get ready to go where you're going to go and you pull up your GPS, your, your map, you put in a starting point and then you enter in a destination. You enter in an end goal. It's the same thing with our dig. We cannot, I'm telling y'all, we cannot dig through the recesses of our life to figure out what we need to change, what we need to fix, what we need to add, what we need to remove. We can't do that aimlessly. You have to have a starting point and an end goal. You gotta dig with a goal in your mind. You have to start with a set destination in your mind, lest you take a wrong turn and you hit that pipe and you burst that pipe. Anybody ever had a pipe burst in your house? Anybody ever seen a pipe to burst? It's foolishness. You don't want to see it. I'm telling you, you don't. It is foolishness to deal with. And that's all right, baby. Talk back to me. I'm used to it. Talk back to me. Because I'm the type in my classroom, if you're not talking, I'm going to say, that's why y'all got a 45% now. Now, when I ask you, do you understand, I need you to tell me yes or no. And that baby said no, so I'm helping him, okay? I'm not, thank you, thank you. Oh, who, whoever said, I'm sure it was my cupcake. That's all, hey, hey, I'm good, I'm good, I love it. The thing is, when you, if you burst, burst that pipe, now you have a whole other mess to deal with. You were trying to dig to fix through and, and work through this issue, but now you have another whole mess that you have to deal with. Digging without a goal or a set destination can cause us to run into issues that weren't even intended to be a part of our process. They weren't even intended to be a part of our process, but instead we must have a set route. We must know where we're starting and where we're going. We must start, here's one of the keys, we must start at the beginning. We can't always start where we are now because the issue oftentimes did not start today. I cannot start with who I am just today. It started 15 years ago when daddy left. It started five years ago when I got my heart broken. I have to go to the source. I got to go to the source. I got to think back what happened back then that's caused me to be this way now. And then we start to work our way out. Jesus said in John 10, and I'm going through the I am statements, y'all. 
of Jesus. There were seven I am statements. He said, I am the good shepherd. John 14 says, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is our advocate. Our sin, not was, but is too much to allow us to even get to God. We, can't, we don't even have a way or an avenue to get to God. We don't know how to get to God. So Jesus stands in proxy for us. He stands in the gap for us. He is how we even have access to the kingdom, and he keeps us from wandering every which way aimlessly. He is our map that guides us on the right path to lead us to freedom and lead us to eternal life. So number one, he is your map. Okay. Number two, he is your shovel. We talked about the shovel that we need to remove the blockage. You cannot move through dirt and blockage in your path if you first don't have a shovel or a like tool. Okay. Jesus said in John 10, verse 7 and 9, I am the door. If any man enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. There is no other door to eternal life, no other door to becoming better, no other door to success except through him. Listen, friends, I'm sorry. I, I got to burst in here real quick, but I just want to remind you all, if you are ever in the Houston area, please come and stop by the Word of Life Church. We always affectionately say that it is the best church in Houston, Texas, but it is also Houston's best kept secret. Listen, if you're ever in the city of Houston, come and join us at Word of Life Church. The address is 830 Turney Drive. Houston, Texas, 77038. Of course, you can look us up on our website and you'll find all of our information right there. Also, while you're listening, please do me a favor. Like, subscribe, comment, review, whatever you have to do so that the Word for Life podcast can continue to be discovered in the massive database that is podcast. I'm hopping back out of here. Let's go back into this word from Lady Marina Scott dig with the I am. I'll talk to you soon. The only way you'll be able to shovel through and the dirt and the blockage in your life and be able to see Christ in his full capacity is you have to use Jesus as your shovel. You have to scoop it up. Scoop up that dirt. You got to dig through. You have to scoop up that dirt and move it out of your way. Put it out of your way. The door is what you use to draw back. When you open the door, you draw back that blockage that is in front of you and you put it behind you. That way you're able to move forward and that way you're able to go through. All of that trauma, all of that anxiety, all of that worry, put it behind you. Those mistakes that you made 15, 20 years ago, draw it back, pull it up, scoop it out the way and put it behind you. The mistake you made today, Draw it up. Pull it out. Put it back behind you. Your shovel to remove the blockage. Number three, I'm moving quickly, y'all. My grandfather, he was extremely long-winded, but I don't think I caught that. Amen. Amen. I'm moving, y'all. He is your flashlight so that you can see. No one ever just digs in the, in the dark. No one ever just digs in the complete dark. If it's not daylight outside, whoever is digging ensures that they have some sort of light to see. 
Okay, when you go outside and it's pitch black outside, what you do? Hold on, I dropped it. Hold on. Hold on. Put your phone down here too. I can't. See. Hold on. That's what we do. Y'all know that's what we do. And that just happened to be on. Thank you, Jesus. But we, we turn on a light. We don't just dig in the complete and utter dark. Because we can't see where we're going. We have to have light to see where it is that we're going, what we're doing, so we don't hurt ourselves, so we don't hurt others. And sometimes I hate driving. But y'all seen those big old construction sites that they're working on? And I, sometimes I hate driving by those because they got these huge, almost blinding lights. But those people are doing a job. And that job requires them to see. They are necessary to see. Depending on how far down you plan to dig into your why. Yeah. Depending on how far down you plan on digging into your why, into the recesses of your life. How far down, how deep you plan to go into yourself to remove you out of the way to get to Christ. You aren't going to do it blindly. You shouldn't do it blindly. You're going to need a light to see. Jesus said in John 8 and 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus at that moment declared that he was the light of the world. He wanted us to know that we didn't have to live in the darkness, in the shadows, in the hopelessness, and the bondage to sin. We don't have to live with the blockage of our lives, our traumas, our failures, and defeats in front of us. We don't have to go about life blindly. He is our light to help us see what we need to add and what we need to remove. If we follow him, he will bring his light of life into our lives to transform and restore us. So you now have your map, you have your shovel, you have your light. Number four, he is our food and water to sustain us. When construction workers or when people are working on something and they're digging deep, they don't always come out of their pit or their site to eat or to take a sip of water or, or have a snack or anything like that. They oftentimes take it in with them so that they can replenish their natural bodies as they do their job. Jesus said in John 6 and 32 through 35, I am the bread of life. The scripture reads, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Excuse me. Then they said unto him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus alone can sustain us. When you're in your dig and you, you, you're trying to get to the bottom of what it is that you're dealing with, he will sustain you. Jesus alone can sustain us who are just starving. We're working through. We're tired. You got to dig when you're tired. When you're tired, that, that, that's when you need to keep pushing. When you're tired and you feel like you can't get up and come to church, get up and go anyway. Because that means that God has a word for you and it's specifically for you. When you're tired and you just can't go on, keep pushing. When we're looking for sustenance to fuel our natural and our spiritual man, Jesus is right there. He is your bread of life. 
Remember, there were only seven. I'm at number five. Number five. Really, I'm at, let me see. Hold on, y'all. No, I'm at number seven because I mentioned two at one point. Okay. So lastly, because I'm going through the seven, the seven I am's of Jesus. Lastly, once you've done your digging, yeah, once you've done your digging and you've gotten to the bottom of that issue, you've gotten to the bottom of that problem, I understand why I'm like this now. I understand why I'm dealing with this now. He is your ladder to pull you out. When you're digging a natural hole, let's say it's a hole that's big enough and wide enough because we got some pretty big issues, y'all. We got some pretty big problems. And you, you a lie from, from if you say that you don't. Because I do. And if I do. And I'm standing before you. I do. But when you're digging a natural hole, you don't desire to stay in there. Oftentimes, we liken digging as um, digging into ourselves into a hole into getting ourselves into trouble. When we're digging, the goal is not just to stay there once we get to the bottom of it. Once you understand why, it's not for you to stay there. Our dig is first to remove the blockage. Then once you remove the blockage, it's to in, then to reveal the blessing. Remove the blockage to reveal the blessing. Sometimes we dig, and we dig ourselves way, 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 way down, and then we're just as lost as to where to go from there. You're like, okay, God, I did the work, now what? I get why I'm like this, but now what, God? I dug and found out why it's hard for me to trust. I dug and I found out why it's hard for me to love to receive love and to give it, God. I dug and I found out how, uh, and I realized why I did this to that person or that to that person and why it was wrong, but how am I going to come back from it? How do I use what I got out of my dig? Exodus 2 says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Now he saw somebody doing something wrong and of one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. He looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to, one, said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you did the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, oh, snap, they know. Oops. Anybody ever had, a, oh, I didn't think you knew about that, huh? You know that? Don't tell nobody else. But Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Now, when I was younger, and I just thought about this, I, I watched the Prince of Egypt and it told the story of Moses. Now, it said it, on the Prince of Egypt, it seemed like Moses just accidentally pushed the dude off the thing and killed him. But it said that Moses killed this Egyptian. He, he, I guess he intended to do it. That's why it's important to read your word. 
so you can understand the full story. Lucy or Disney, but that's all right. They had to make it kid-friendly, y'all. But he fled because, oh, snap, people know what I did. And now Pharaoh is pretty upset with me, and I got to get out of here. Moses had much digging of his own to do because of the wrong that he did in Egypt. When he tried to correct and show the Hebrews the right way and break up their fight, he was called out like, you telling me? Excuse you? I just seen you. Okay? That's like a lot of us. How you going to tell me not to? And last week I just saw you. How you? Come on now. That's why I say it all the time. It's important for us to protect our witness. Don't lose your witness. You have to be careful of what you do and what you say, and especially who you do it in front of and who you say it in front of because it's so easy to lose your witness. It's so easy for people to say, but I know you. I knew you from back, way back when. You, how you going to tell me not to fornicate? But all five of your kids got different daddies and ain't but two marriages on record for you. Come on now. We judge people like that. How you going to tell me not to be rude, but you cussed out the McDonald's cashier for giving you a Dr. Pepper instead of a Coke? How you going to tell me to forgive when every time you see so-and-so, you got to roll your eyes and walk the other way? How you going to minister to me? How you going to tell me what's right? We've all had people to hold us to our past or sometimes hold us to our present struggles. Uh-huh, because they're not always a past struggle. God can use who he wants to use. Because it's so hard for us to accept the fact that God is the resurrection. And when he gets ready to change someone or use someone, it don't take him no time to fix it. God is the resurrection and can pull us out of our pit. Moses was ashamed of what caused him to have to flee to Midian in the first place. And then he was scared to go back because he just up and ghosted his family. He just dipped off on them in the palace who were upset with him for what he did. He's like, Lord, how am I going to face the people who know my wrongdoings? Then the people want my head? Like, I'm not going back there. Like, I, I won't talk. First of all, I don't want to talk to them. Second of all, they're trying to kill me. He began to give God an arm's length of excuses, y'all. Stick with me. He began to give God an arm's length of excuses. Excuse number one, I'm not good enough. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Excuse number two, I don't have all the answers. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them that the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Excuse number three, people won't believe me. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Excuse number four, but I'm a terrible public speaker. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent of speech, meaning he had a speech impediment. He couldn't talk good. Okay, he's like, they're not going to understand me. Uh, They're they not going to hear what I have to say. He said, oh, Lord, I am not eloquent neither nor before uh, nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Excuse number five, and I've dealt with this excuse. This is a part of my deed. And I know some of us have felt it and, and, and dealt with this as well. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. 
But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whoever else that you may send. Moses told God, God, anybody but me. Anybody but me. He feared that he was not fit because he was not blameless in front of the people he was sent back to confront, nor those he was sent back to deliver. That's the key. Not only those that he was sent back to confront Pharaoh, but those that he was sent back to deliver. Because they're going to look at him and say, how are you going to bring us out? And you had to run yourself. How you? I know you. I, I seen you. I know you. Come on now. Understand that regardless of what you do, you will never just walk a path once. And your return is not necessarily walking in those same steps. When you return on that path, it's not necessarily walking in those same steps to repeat those same actions, but sometimes it's to recreate your footsteps. Sometimes it's to recreate your footsteps, to blot out your misstep and your loss of footing and to reconcile and to draw over and replace with a firm walk, a walk that is ordered and ordained by God. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the key to escaping a spiritual death for us who are hopelessly doomed to death because of our sin. He's our ladder, y'all. I'm trying to told you. Understand again that we are not bound to our mistakes. We are not doomed to understand why we are the way that we are, and then we just have to stay there and be. You don't have to stay there. The bottom of your pit is not where you will stay. But Jesus said that he is the resurrection. He is the ladder to help you escape from your pit. He also said in John 15, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. That's the last one. Seven. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. After you do your digging, he provides you a way back out so that you can go back and go forth and do his work to show others that back there was not my end all be all. Back there was not the final chapter to my story. As PA told us before that our dig is usually not even for us. It's for someone else. Once you've done your digging, God is saying to you, yes, you were broken. Yes, you were downtrodden. Yes, you were a mess. Yes, you were a liar. Yes, you were a cheater. Yes, you had anger issues. Yes, you were everything other than what I called you to be. But now you understand why. Now you can be better. Now you can bear my fruit. Now I can take you back up and lead you out of this pit so that you can go and share what thus saith the Lord. Share that I am the resurrector and a redeemer and this does not have to be where your life ends. And tell it so that you can help deliver someone else. Going back to Exodus 3 and I'm finished. You like that? Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the, the children of Israel, going back to that, and say to them that the God of my, your fathers has sent me to you, and they said to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, 
I am has sent me to you. Now, the book of John illustrates Jesus as a sort of Moses, so to speak, that was sent to deliver us from sin, from spiritual bondage. He tells us all of these different things, from holding ourselves to our mistakes and our failures. In John, Jesus states all that he is. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the true vine. I am the way of life. I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the light of the world. But in Exodus, he doesn't even go through all of that. God said, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. He don't go into the detail of all that. When it came time for Moses to dig, God lent himself up as a Swiss army knife. You know what a Swiss army knife is. If it's not, it's not seemingly one tool. It looks like one little gadget. But when you open it up, it's got a corkscrew, it's got a knife, it's got a pair of scissors, it's got a file. All of these different things you need that allows you to get the job done for whatever your task is that you have. When Moses said to God, what do I need to deliver these people? God, what do I need to start this dig of my life? What is the tool that I will use, God? God responds, me, I am that I am. Tell them that the I am sent you and all that you need is me. Stop making excuses, Moses, and looking for this or that to dig through it. And I'm finna step on your toes, but you still gonna love me anyhow. You don't need a million dollars to feel better. You don't need a man or a woman to make you whole or to help you accomplish your goals. That money will not solve all of your problems. That man or woman will not make you stop being bitter and rude and nasty. That new job is not what you need to stop halfway doing your work. Stop looking for all of these things to come in and satisfy and fulfill you. When all is said and done, you have to stop looking at that pile of clothes that we talked about in the beginning and just start. Just go, Moses, just go. You have everything that you need to dig. You don't have to have all of those gadgets and gadgets and carry this and carry that with you because all that's going to do is wear you down. All you need is right there with you. Dig with the I am. My God, what a mighty word from the Lord. Dig with the I am. Listen, there were so many gems, uh, as one of my members say. There were so many points that were so powerful and potent that I believe will bless the balance of your life. I don't want this to be another word that you've heard that you simply put it in your back pocket and walk out and forget it all about it. I want you to remember this word, let it resonate in your heart, in your mind, all of the many points that she made. What an awesome word from the Lord. I am so excited to be married to such a powerful and potent woman. Listen, I want you to make sure that you add this word to your database, download it, save it, put it somewhere where you can get to it when you need it. And I wanna remind you friends, that you have to do the work. I need you to understand that the victory in your life is going to take much more than you shouting and dancing and singing and running around the church, but it's gonna cause you to have to do some digging and some work. And just know that as you dig, you are digging with a great I am. 
Listen, friends, I love you so much with the love of the Lord. I'm gone. I will see you next week on the Word for Life podcast. But let me remind you, whatever you do, stay with God. Hang on in there. He is squeezing the oil out of you. That's all for now, friends. I'll see you soon.